of different passages, but that's going to be the main passage. It's probably one that you've never, at least I never had until I started studying for this sermon. Uh, I'd never really put this this passage uh, in a proper perspective, I don't believe, in my life. So if you have the little book, by the way, does anyone not have the the, the book? Uh, Peter, we need one or two up front here, and Daphne needs one also. So um, put your hand up, keep it up at least high enough so that uh, Peter can see you. Up here, Barb needs one. Uh, anybody else? Oh, Pat. Pat needs one too. Uh, it's the third sermon in there. I don't know what the page number is. Peter, you've got the page number off the top of your head. He's not listening. Okay, it doesn't matter. You can find it. You can put notes on that page. Uh, it's going to say Problems and Excuses, the Battle for the Home. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. I'd like you to uh, follow along with me as I read Psalm 78. Meskel of Asaph, listened, O my people, to my instruction. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not conceal them from our children, but tell the generations to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wondrous works that he has done. For he established the testimony in Jacob, And appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, that they should teach them to their children. That the generation to come might know, even the children yet to be born, that they may arise and tell them to their children. That they should put their confidence in God, and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments." And not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not prepare its heart and whose spirit was not faithful to God. Now, that is an indictment of the generation before Asaph. It is also an encouragement and a command to generations to follow. And you notice that he said, he's actually talking about three or four generations here said there was a generation that did not follow the Lord. They didn't do what God asked them to do. And as a result, Asaph's generation was not taught the great things about God. But he said, don't be like them. That's the end verses there. Don't be like them. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to not conceal, but reveal God's truth. God's work, God's miracles, the things that God has done to the next generation. Each generation needs to be taught. We cannot rest on what someone else has done. No, I I said this last week, I believe. God has no grandchildren. Simply means this. That if my generation hasn't taught their kids and that generation doesn't teach their kids, there's going to be a gap. Unfortunately, there are huge gaps in the church because generations of Christian husbands and wives, moms and dads, have not passed on the truths of God to the next generation. Now, as Peter mentioned, this is not simply about family devotions or family worship. And by the way, I will use those two terms interchangeably because they need to be used interchangeably. 
If you're going to have devotions, it should be a time of worship. If you're going to have family worship, you are going to have a time of devotions. Either way, it works, and both should be a part of it. But we need to pass it on. And a lot of you are going, uh, preach that in the late service where all the kids are. I know some of you, you're your grandparents and great-grandparents. And you, you have inter- a time with your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. You know what? You still have opportunities to do some of these things. Even if your children, their parents, haven't done anything. Grandma and Grandpa can uh, grab the Bible story book that they used 50 years ago with their own kids and have devotions when they're babysitting. You can do all kinds of things. I know some of you already do that. And praise the Lord you do that. Because somebody needs to do it. So nobody's off the hook here. Uh, It may sound that way, but it's not. Also, you might say, I'm single. I don't have a family. I'm, I'm by myself. You need to have devotions yourself. Family, or personal devotions, personal worship. So I didn't want to make that very clear. But the emphasis here is going to be on passing it on to the next generation. So that is the emphasis. Here's what I know. If you are not having devotions or worshiping yourself, you're most likely, in fact, is it's very unlikely that you will pass anything on. Because you cannot pass on anything that you don't already do yourself. It just simply doesn't work that way. We need to understand that I cannot pass on, I cannot do what I don't, I give what I don't already possess. So I want to encourage you, I'll get back to that as we go through uh, this morning. But notice the outcome of this whole thing. He says, I want you to see the history of what God has done. And I'm going to propose to you that that history is not only Bible history, that is true. But your spiritual history needs to be passed on. Devotions is, our family worship or devotions is more than simply, well, I read a few verses from the Bible and we had a word of prayer. It it needs to be you passing on your life, your spiritual life, your testimony to the next generation. And it's okay to tell them about some of the flubs that you have had, some of the backsliding you've had. You don't emphasize that, of course, but you need to pass it on. Others uh, need to pass it on to uh, others that aren't even their children. I've personally done that where I've taken a young man under wing and passed on some of the things that the Word of God says and some of the things that God has taught me uh, and passed it on to them. You call it mentorship, you call it whatever you want, doesn't matter. We need to pass it on to the next generation. The goal of this is simply this, is that they would uh, know what God has done so that they would put their confidence in God, live by faith. They wouldn't forget the works of God. I'm telling you, I'm getting older and forgetting is getting easier. (laughs) And it absolutely is. But... We need to understand that if one generation isn't taught, they will forget a whole lot of things. Don't allow that gap to be there. And the last part of the goal is that they would keep God's commandments. In other words, they would know what God's rules are. They would know what God's standards are. They would know what God wants them to obey so they could actually carry it out. So with that as a background, uh, we need to look at some very practical ways of putting what I've just described 
into action. So that's the major part. I will be referencing numerous other verses as we go through this. But understand that Psalm 78 sets the stage for everything on a very practical level that we're going to be talking about. So let's look at that. Uh, Sorry, I didn't use my slide. Okay, reasons to have family worship. You go, okay, so you told us the Bible says we need to pass these things on. So it doesn't say have family devotions. It doesn't say have uh, family worship time. But if you remember from last week, it is not simply something I do for 10 minutes at home or an hour at church. It is something that is all a part of my life from beginning to end, from morning to night. We'll look at that verse again uh, here in a couple of seconds. But as you know from the Bible, the first thing is that husbands and dads are to have the primary role in leading the family in spiritual things. That is not only simply with children, according to Deuteronomy chapter 6 and Ephesians chapter 6. It says, fathers, bring your children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Doesn't say parents, even though I have no problem with mom being involved. In fact, she should be involved. I know that from the Old Testament. We'll, we'll get to those verses in a minute. But the point is, someone needs to take the lead. If you're a dad, you're a husband, you don't go, well, my wife didn't take care of this. No, 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 no. That's your job. You need to start it. Doesn't mean you do it all. It means you need to be in the forefront. And why do you do that? First of all, God says to do it. And second of all, everything that we do should be not only taught, but modeled. In other words, your life needs to be an example to that generation, to those you're having. So if you're a husband, it needs to be to your wife, um, parents to their kids. One of the things that happens also in family devotions is it promotes a family dynamic. I could stand up here and if I got my wife to come up, we could tell you stories for the next 25 minutes of what happened in family devotions at our house. Some very unique things happened. Um, everything from we'd start out, and, and uh, I'll get into this also, but we, I never plan long devotions. And by the way, I encourage you, don't plan. That's one of the worst things people do is like, I'm going to spend an hour with my kids because I'm going to try to make up for time. You're going to quit in about a week if you get that far. It got to plan. But sometimes my wife would actually go, Paul, because the kids would start asking questions. We'd have a long discussion about something we were talking about or something they wanted to talk about, whatever it was. We'd have this long discussion. My wife would go, Paul, you've got to end now. They have homework to do and other things that they need to take care of, and it's going to be bedtime before that. That didn't happen all the time because some nights it was very short. But other nights we would get on a subject that was triggered by what we read or what we prayed about or whatever, and it would go on. And the point is, my wife is the timekeeper in our house, the organizer in our house, and that's good because I am not. And uh, so, but you know what? That was a kind of thing. It produces a family dynamic. You get together as a family. You do something as a family. I see families so fragmented today. This won't cure that, but it's one step in the right direction. Because you want the family working together, discussing together. Uh, uh, Worshiping together helps your family grow together. In other words, it puts your family on the same page. The things that are important to dad, the things that are important to mom, are seen by 
Maybe it's something as simple as our prayer requests or the verses that we decide to memorize as a family. Whatever it is, the kids see that and the, the family understands, at least begins to understand, what is important in life and what isn't important. And so we grow together as a family. That's a secondary thing. That's not why you have family worship time. But it's definitely a secondary, just like the dynamic. And uh, as I already mentioned, uh, parents do have the primary responsibility for teaching the next generation. I already read from Ephesians 6, but Deuteronomy chapter 6 says the same thing. And it doesn't say set aside 10 or 15 minutes. It says when you sit down, when you rise up, when you're on the way. It, it doesn't matter when it is. doesn't matter what the time is. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. We are to be teaching the next generation. It dovetails right in uh, with what we read from Psalm 78. Also, um, this is one way we talk about family values. By the way, you're never going to hear me talk about family values. I talk about biblical family values. Big difference between the two. I always use the joke is if you're in the mafia, family values looks a lot different than what I think the Bible says. Okay? So it's biblical family values that you pass on. And they see that. Not just because you read a passage of scripture or memorized a verse or sang a song or prayed together about a certain topic, but it's the whole thing put together. In other words, it absolutely begin, begins to build a hub by which your family operates from. It is the center and the strong point of a family. So what are the hindrances to family devotions? First of all, the big one is I don't know. I wish I could do what Faye and I did many years ago. We had a, Before I was a, a pastor here, we had a home Bible study that was actually bigger than Garden Chapel when I started here. And we started mentioning that we have family devotions. And some of those people said, we couldn't do that. We don't know how. So you know what we did? Our kids were upstairs. I told them, I said, when I call for you, you all come down. They were all in their pajamas ready for bed. And they sat in the middle of our living room. And Faye and I had devotions with the kids right in front of everybody else. And afterwards, the, the big thing was, well, we can do that. And we're like, yeah, we told you you can. But until you do it, until you see it modeled in front of you, it can be overwhelming. It's like, I couldn't do this. I don't know how. My parents never had devotions with me. How do I know what to do? Well, guess what? There are a lot of things your parents never did, and you learned how to do them. You can do that. Doesn't matter what the age is. Praise the Lord, we started when our kids were very, very young. Um, the fact is, the, the first I remember is with Missy, and she was very, very young. We would put her to bed. We would pray with her, very short prayer, and sing one of those Sunday school songs that lots of kids know from every generation seem to have, love the Jesus loves me and all those kinds of things. And, and that was our devotions at that point. There, she was probably two at that point. But that's where it went from and, and went from there. But there is no wrong way to have devotions. You go, well, I'm not doing it like you're talking about. If you're not doing anything, that's the worst. Okay? So look at it this way. There's no wrong way. Maybe there are some wrong things to do, but there's no wrong way. Get started. Think about the time you start to learn to ride a bicycle or drive a car or any of those kinds of things. You weren't very good at it when you started. 
But you wanted to do it, so you kept going, and now today you can, well, some of you shouldn't ride a bicycle anymore, including me. So, but you can still drive a car. You know, you, you can still do those things because you learned them. And why did you get half decent at it? Because you kept doing it. I encourage you. You got to look at it that way. You may feel like a failure. You might like, this didn't work, man. My kids could have cared less. Uh, my wife doesn't care. Uh, I didn't get anything out of my personal devotions. Keep going. Don't stop. Lots of things in life are that way. Remember high school? Remember college? All of those things. You know, if just because you failed a time or two, don't stop. That's the, may feel awkward? Absolutely will. Guess why? Because it's not something you've done before. Be flexible. There are days that are simply not normal. They're just not normal. Something happens and you go, oh, well, we, it's Tuesday night and we didn't have devotion, so you know what? We're a failure. We're going to quit. No. Be flexible. One of the things that uh, my wife and I did, we only ever had devotions five nights a week. You go, oh, I can't believe you said that because everybody tells you you have to have it every day. Well, guess what? We went to church every Wednesday night and every Sunday night. We didn't try to jam devotions between supper time and getting to church because those two nights we were already showing them, helping them in that direction. The other five nights, yes. And I'll get to this, and I'm going to run out of time, so I'll do it now. Be creative. This was the one where my wife led devotions. You, not all families can do this. Every, every family is different. But on Saturday nights, we had, and we called it, singing devotions. The kids got to pick the songs. We have a piano. We actually had an organ in our house when we first started doing this. And Faye would play the songs, and we would sing. And when we had sung, what, five, six songs maybe? Something like that. Then we'd all stand in a circle and everybody would pray. That was our Saturday, our common Saturday night devotions. Not every Saturday night, but we call it singing devotions. We were flexible. It wasn't the same monotonous thing over and over again. And yeah, at first all these things feel awkward and they're not normal. Um, Remember... God's word doesn't return void. You may feel like this didn't accomplish anything. But remember, the truths of the word of God speak for themselves. It's like Charles Spurgeon said, how do you defend a lion? Same way, or how do you defend the word of God? Same way you defend a lion. You open the cage and let it out. That's what you need to do. You need to show them. Open the Bible and let it out. The word of God is powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. It does the work itself, despite you, despite your awkwardness and and your feeble attempts at times. But uh, we just simply need to start. And once you get started, um, be creative. Uh, There will be times when you just go, this isn't going to work. We had just about everything you could think of. One of our favorites, one of my favorites was, um, I would say, kid, you can't do this really little kids, but after they got a little older, it's like, kid devotions tonight. You know what that meant? I gave them 10 minutes running start. They went into the living room and they, among themselves, and this is how you teach your kids to be teachers and to, to serve the Lord, is they went in and they organized the devotions. 
They picked the story. They, they, they decided how we're going to pray. They decided what verses we're going to go over and what songs we're going to sing. And they would have special music. And their favorite was they're going to do charades to see if mom and dad can figure out what they're trying to do. You know what? You go, that doesn't sound very spiritual. The answer is it's absolutely spiritual. Because guess what? You're involving them in it. It becomes personal to them. And, and as soon as they could read, I would have them read. As soon as they could memorize, we start memorizing. By the way, kids can memorize faster. They would memorize the chapters and the verses before I did. And I was the one teaching them. They memorized, and, and this, you don't start here. But I'm just going to tell you, the end result was, and I, I sat down the other day and tried to, we memorized, I believe, 10 psalms starting with Psalm 1, Psalm 23, Psalm 19, Psalm 100, Psalm 96, Psalm 34, and then the biggie, Psalm 37. If you look at what Psalm 37 is, it has 40 verses. It took us two summers to memorize it. Now, Amy says she was just cute, and she was there for uh, the cuteness factor, but all the rest of the kids knew every verse, and they knew it better than I did. We memorized Luke chapter 2, uh, which is, as you know, the Christmas story, the, the magi, uh, I'm sorry, the, the angels and the shepherds, um, 20 verses of that. To this day, before we open our gifts at Christmas, we do that. And let me tell you, it sounds pretty bad because we haven't gone over it except once a year together. But, um, and then I grab the wrong version of the Bible, and then I really nuts everybody up. But the point is, these things are things that go on. Don't be stuffy about it. There isn't a right way. There isn't a wrong way. As long as the Word of God, as long as God is worshipped, He is the focus. Some nights it was more discussion about something we had done. Sometimes they ask questions that you just couldn't deal with at that point, but you're going to deal with them later. Habit. It needs to be. By the way, start now because if you, don't, if you wait, you won't. That's pretty much the way it goes. Satan doesn't care if he doesn't get, uh, he doesn't care how you do your devotions. He just knows he will give you every excuse to wait and never get to it. That's what I'm trying to say. Start when they're very young. You may say that we're way past that. That's okay. Start whenever. Uh, as I said, start at the mealtime, start at bedtime, wherever. But here's the point establish a consistent priority. Here's what I'm, I've told people about church and, and devotions. They said, well, I don't know how we would do that. I said, do you let your kids get up late for school and then, uh, you know, just say, well, you don't feel like going to school. Just let them go. Well, I would never do that. They have to go to school. And I said, then you have just taught them that academics are more important than spiritual things because you can't get them to church and you don't have devotions with them. You teach them a lot of things by exactly what you do. And it's more than just, what, what did I read from the scripture today? It's more than that. It's bigger than that. Going on. Have a specific routine, um, a particular time of day, a place for us. The only time that met, uh, met worked for us to meet was supper's over. You go directly from the table to the, uh, to the living room. Nothing else worked for us. If that didn't happen... You weren't going to have devotions, and a few times we did not. But a specific, in fact, is one of the things that always happened, and my office was still in the house. We had to take the phone off the hook. I suggest that when you have family worship time, 
or your own personal devotions, turn off your phone, turn off the TV, turn off the radio, turn off the computer, turn everything off. Because distractions will do exactly that. And you'll go, hmm, time's gone. i got to do something else. Just get rid of the distractions. Make it convenient and natural. I can tell you that there were times when we told our kids, well, we, we don't have time for devotions tonight. They would moan and groan because they couldn't have devotions. Because they loved listening to Bible stories. And they did, they did those things. Because it became a normal part of life. Just like eating. I encourage you, by the way, this has nothing to do with devotions. I encourage you at least one meal a day. Have the whole family together and eat together. Because it produces that dynamic and all those kinds of things. But uh, if you're too busy, you're too busy. That's just the long and the short of it. Whoops. Hang on a second. There we go. Uh, Be reasonable. I already talked about some of these things. But there are a few other things that happen during devotion times. Something that some of you older folks will agree with me is plan to make them short so that you're not going crazy and they're going crazy. But teach them that there are proper times to listen and to be quiet, to talk and to participate, to sit still, to obey, and to respect others. There are a generation of kids that have never even been taught to sit still. Devotions is a place you can do that. By the way, my kids not simply sit still in devotions, but there was a proper time to do that. When your sister is reading the Bible, you're not talking, and you're not fidgeting, and you're not walking around. You're listening to your sister. When we're praying, you're quiet. You teach a lot of common courtesies and a whole lot of other things. That's all part of that family dynamic and passing down the Bible value, biblical values. And it, it makes it clear. And this is a verse that doesn't have to do with devotions or family worship or personal uh, devotional time. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. First things need to get priority. And yes, there are a lot of good things. In fact, is Satan delights in taking things that are not bad and using them as diversions, distractions, and a misappropriation of time. I'm not against using a computer. I'm not against sports. I'm not against other activities. I'm not against any of those things. But if they interfere to the point where you cannot have consistent family times in the Bible and worship together, something's wrong. You need to reorganize priorities. One of the things, all of our kids were in sports and they were in music stuff and plays and all that kind of stuff. Uh, It gets a little hectic. And we would tell them that they could pick one sport a year. I got grief for this back then. I don't apologize for it. You can be in one sport. We will allow your schedule to disrupt our family life for one season and one season only. And then it got to the point where the season was a half a year and that's ridiculous. But that's a whole different subject. Point is need to have some flexibility, and you can do a lot of things, but you need to make sure that priorities are right. Otherwise, they they do not fix themselves. You need to make that whole thing. A couple of other things. Make sure that you don't just talk about one thing in devotions. You can read the Bible, and that's appropriate, if they're older. I'll tell you what, my, I think my kids like this. Well, no, they like David and the little lamb 
that came out of a little Bible story book. They would have read that every night. And I had to put my foot down and say, no, you have to pick another story tonight. Because they would have done that. Because it's so comforting. The Word of God is comforting. I don't know if you know that as an adult, but it is. God's in control. But we would go on, and not everybody, again, don't go, well, that's what Paul did, so I have to do it. Don't do that. Because I was always studying the Word of God. I would actually take, and we did this, the book of Daniel. I paraphrased the book of Daniel. We went through it. I did the same thing with the book of Revelation and some other things. But my kids, I'd say, okay, you, you want to pick a story tonight? They say, yeah, we want to hear about the shaggy goat from the book of Daniel. I'm like, are, are my kids crazy? Yeah, you know, so we'd go back and do the, the shaggy goat from the book of Daniel. Now you have to go back and look it up and see what it's about. But anyway, the whole point is this, is I would just paraphrase that. By the way, some of you have heard of the Living Bible. It's a paraphrase. You know how that came about? Ken Taylor, the guy who put it together, literally, that's where I got the idea. It wasn't original with me. He, got, he paraphrased the Bible for family devotions. And after a while, I guess somebody gave him the idea, why don't you write that down? That, that became the Living Bible. Now, he wasn't saying this is a literal word-for-word translation, but he was saying this is a devotional Bible. And I've encouraged people for years I don't care what version you use for devotions. There's a few really bad ones. But you know what? Get in the Bible. Use it. And uh, I would do that, that kind of thing. Not everybody can do that. But there are lots of uh, helps available. This book, the Victor Family Story Bible. Unfortunately, it's out of print. But if you go to Amazon, you can get it anywhere from, I think, $0.12 cents to $285. If you have a brand new copy... Uh, I saw it advertised for $285. Normally, a new copy is somewhere around 60 to 80 bucks. But you can get a used copy. This is a used copy. You can see there's a sticker torn off the top of it. That is by far the best Bible story book we've ever found. fact is, when we're having devotions and I'm reading it, Faye would say, is that true? I'm like, I don't know, that's what it said. We'd look it up in the Bible. And sure enough, they would actually be, even to details, have it right. But yet it was still understandable for six, seven-year-olds. And uh, right up to, obviously, Faye and I, because we learned stuff that we had missed. So that's a good one. So you can can get it. But there are other things, uh, for example, Keys for Kids. We used to get it paper copy. Kids loved it. It's a little bit like our daily bread for kids. It would have a passage of scripture and then a a story that fit for, I think they figured uh, five to 14 year olds or something like that, that fit uh, an application story. We, the kids loved it. In fact is they would take their tithe money and send it to children's Bible hour who published this today. You got it easier yet. I told you to turn off your electronic devices. Sorry, but this one you'll have to turn it back on if you want to use this because Keys for Kids is now online. All you do is punch a couple buttons, and there it is. You can read it, and I believe this is the one that has the button. You can actually have them read it to you. I recommend you do it yourself, but nonetheless. Peter has available. Sorry, I don't have a copy. In the book rack, people, Peter has available for anyone who wants to purchase it. A book, it's called Our Daily Bread for Kids. Uh, it is a book. It costs like 13 bucks or something, but it has 365 devotions in. If you want to use something like that. By the way, would be a great present for some of you grandparents to give to your kids so they could get started. 
Hey, if they just read that every day, they've gotten started, get over the awkwardness and get going. You know, that, that kind of thing. So just want to encourage you that you may be saying this doesn't fit me. One way or the other, if you want it to fit, it will fit and you can be a part of it. By the way, if you're not personally studying, if you're not in the Word yourself, it's probably never going to happen. So be ready to make application because that's a big part of the whole thing. Your kids will ask you questions and they will ask you questions that will embarrass you. I'll guarantee it. My kids did. And then you have to explain stuff like what is adultery because you've just been studying and memorizing the time. Dad, what is adultery? <sighs> you, you, you go, oh boy, I wasn't ready for this one. But you know what? You deal with it and lots of other things as you go by. But you know what? It will open the communication and it will give you opportunity that nothing else is going to do to do that. By the way, if they ask you questions that you don't know the answers, don't give you don't have to get, let me say it this way. You don't have to give detailed answers. Just never give inaccurate answers. If you don't know, say, you know what? That's a good question. That's tomorrow night's devotions. That kind of a thing. Uh, that's the last one. Now, plan for everybody to participate as the kids get old. When they're really little, it's very tough other than singing and maybe praying and memorizing. But as soon as they learn to read, I would have them read and really short passages because you don't want the brothers and sisters to be rolling their eyes for 10 minutes while they're reading three sentences. But the point is they wanted to participate. You didn't have to force them to participate. They wanted to. And guess what? Part of that dynamic is they learned to read the Bible out loud. They learned to discuss things without arguing, feuding, and fighting. They learned to pray out loud. They learned to memorize scripture in front of other people. And we would, we would do all kinds of things where they would stand up. It's like, okay, you stand up and you, you give us the verse tonight. And they'd have to do it. We did just about anything you can think of to, to be a variety. That wasn't every night. Well, there was a standard. We'd read, read the Bible story or read the Bible. We would pray, memorize, a, uh, work on a verse or two, and sing a song or two. We'd have those nights and devotions is over in 10 minutes. And other nights, it was considerably longer than that. But that's where you start. Whatever you do, don't try to choke them with everything. Uh, let them participate. One of the other things that we did, I already mentioned that they would give their tithe. We had a tithe envelope. So when they would get money, they would automatically, we taught them, put 10% of it in the envelope. By the way, tithing is not for us today, but that's a place to start. We were teaching them a lesson. They would put their tithe money in there, and after there was an appreciable amount or something came up, they, as a part of devotions, would decide who they give it to. Children's Bible Hour got a bunch of it, but there's the mission got some. Uh, Mrs. Diamond was a, a favorite, CEF, um, was a favorite, and I'm trying to think what else we gave to. But anyway, they would make those decisions. It gave them the power to put into practice things that we really want adults to do. And adults have a hard time doing. So here's the thing. It is an overall teaching time. Whether it's you personally, because that's, if you're doing your own personal devotions, I almost guarantee you that that day there will be an opportunity for you to use what you, what you studied in your devotion time. Happens all the time. And it will if you allow that opportunity to be taken advantage of. 
But the point is, you're doing the same thing with your children. You're, you're putting it all together. So it's not simply, oh, we're a spiritual family. We have family worship. I'm so spiritual because I have my own personal devotions. No, it's much bigger than that. That's what's last week's sermon. Because if you're going to worship, worship has to do with every part of your life. Your service, your focus, everything. That's the point that I'm trying to make this morning. You can find all kinds of helps. You, you have questions, call me. I'll be glad to talk with you. Let's all stand together as we close. Father, you're a God that has designed that we would be your ambassadors, your spokesmen. Not only to the world, across the world, the India or wherever that might be, but you've also designed that we as families would pass on your truth to the next generation. I pray that indeed we would be your spokesmen. We would speak up for what is true, what is right, that we would lead our children our spouses, our families in the right direction, putting first priorities first, the Word of God, the glory of God, His will, and obedience to that will as a priority in our lives. Lord, help us to not be a negligent generation that was stubborn and rebellious, but that we would pass on what God has done in our lives and what He wants to do in their lives. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless, go with God, and be a blessing.